0: Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. everyone welcome to the high achievers series this is ellie pearlman your host broadcasting from providence rhode island and today i want to talk to you about multifamily trends and what i see in the multifamily and real estate market right now so just as a quick recap i'm a syndicator a multifamily owner and operator and i own over 2300 units across the u.s with my company Blue Lake Capital. And our main focus is Class B assets in Texas, Florida, Georgia, and we're looking into the Carolinas right now. So I just wanted to share with you the trends and what I see and witness in the market. Recording this today is December 30th of 2020. So 48 hours before we change the clock and kind of switch the page and move to 2021. So the first thing I want to talk about, and it's not a very nice topic because I know it's painful for a lot of real estate owners, a lot of operators, is bad debt. And when I say bad debt, I basically mean all the delinquent, the late rent, the tenants are not paying. So when someone doesn't pay their rent, it's delinquent, they're behind. Sometimes they catch up and they pay it two weeks after the deadline, a month, a month and a half. When we don't think we can collect the rent, then it's moved from delinquency to bad debt. Basically, we write it off as a loss because we don't think, for instance, after three, four, five months that there's any chance we can collect the rent. And so it turns into bad debt. So normally, pre-COVID world anywhere between obviously zero and two and a half, maybe, maybe 3% is considered reasonable bad debt. So when I see a property that is a one, two percent from the income as bad debt, then it's reasonable and it shows that the property is generally speaking doing well. Now during COVID, those numbers obviously have increased across the board, some properties more than others, but what I see in the market is a general increase in bad debt. So some properties, mainly C and D class, where it's in pretty rough areas sometimes, or the tenant base is not as strong, they're struggling right now, a lot of them, you know, work in the service industry, I see bad debt increasing in those markets in those, you know, properties. So bad debt can soar to six, seven, nine percent, which indicates, you know, that's a major, you know, problem because it means that you're taking, you know, your check by the end of the month as an investor, as an owner is much smaller and your cash flow is down. So bad debt is, you know, increasing across the board. However, there's a new Bill that should be approved hopefully for the end of the year, which mainly that's you know another round of PPP money paycheck protection program, so that can help businesses. There's a whole you know section for restaurants and entertainment uh, businesses that is separated from the rest of the PPP money that can indirectly help them, the tenants that are working in the service and entertainment industry. And it hasn't been approved yet, but there's a section in the new bill that not only provides another stimulus checks, I think it's around $600 per person in a household, but also allows landlords to collect delinquent rent directly through this program. So again, it hasn't been approved yet. So that's that's kind of you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. That's good news for real estate owners. But right now, what we've dealing with is as owners across the country with increased bad debt. So even properties that had zero bad debt before, now they deal with one or one and a half percent. It's still pretty good, but it's higher than it was before COVID. Now, interestingly enough at least in the markets where we're investing in, we see an increase in rents. And that's a very interesting kind of trend because on one hand, you have more tenants that cannot pay their rent, but the new tenants that are coming in, they're willing and able many times to pay for higher rents. And I think it's a very, very interesting phenomenon because you have this shift, or you know, these two types of renters, those who are struggling and those who can actually pay two, three hundred dollars more than the average tenant on your property. And that's a very interesting trend, especially in Atlanta. We've seen on our properties, we've seen an increase in kind of imaginary numbers, rents have increased anywhere from 20% to 39.4% during COVID, which is not a number that I thought I'm ever going to see, but we see those numbers. We renovate units. We keep pushing rents. We get 300, 400, almost $400 increases on rents and tenants are moving in. And they're paying their rent, so we have that in addition to an increase in bad debt. Not on all properties, the numbers are not huge, but they're still there. And definitely, the increase in rents they're helping when it comes to you know an increase in bad debt. But I think that those two trends are very are, they're fascinating. They're happening at the same time, and I think that's that's very interesting to witness. Now, in addition, you know occupancy. Is more or less the same. There's a little slightly movement up or down. That's what we see in our portfolio. You know, we don't see any huge shifts in occupancy. So I remember when COVID started, investors and sponsors alike were curious to see, and sometimes concerned, we're curious to see what's gonna happen with occupancy. Are we gonna have to deal with 10% vacancy, 25% vacancy in? it hasn't happened. Occupancy, for the most part, properties are, you know, at least in our portfolio, we're talking about 93 to 99% occupancy. So that's definitely helpful for the cash flow. Now, also when I'm looking in the market, another trend that I see, is that new construction is down. And this is actually a trend that started way before COVID. And it's good news for those who are purchasing multifamily because I don't have a Class A building that is competing with me and many times willing to cut their rents to attract tenants either from my property or potential tenants that would go to my property. And so because many markets such as DFW... They have attracted a lot of new tenants. So a lot of markets like DFW are attracting more people, are attracting more businesses. There is basically job growth, population growth, and that brought basically developers along. So there's a huge amount of units that are coming online from new construction. So because there's a lot of that activity happening in many markets, many growing markets, in secondary, also core markets, then in the past, I would say 18 months prior to COVID, we've seen construction going down because the competition was fierce. And with COVID, you're going to have even fewer and fewer units that are going to come into the market fewer and fewer new projects because right now developers they're not sure if they're going to start developing a new property whether they'll be able to occupy the property and make it a profitable project there's a big question sign around that so your construction is down across the board when you compare 2018 2019 and 2020 and i think that this trend is going to continue moving forward now also, what's happening is that, on the acquisition side, cap rates in prices are more or less the same. We haven't seen a huge change. We haven't seen cap rates increase. We haven't seen a decrease in price and multifamily prices. And the main reason is that most of them are doing well, which makes you know makes total sense because multifamily is a conservative and recession resistance, not really recession-proof, not in all recessions, but definitely in this one, the right property in the right market turned to be a good investment. And because of that, basically, sellers are saying, hey, when you're underwriting, you see how our properties are performing during COVID, which is kind of the end of the world scenario. So there's no justification to cut prices. Here and there, I do see some deals, you know, where basically it's below market, but it's normally a C class, D class with very high vacancy or very high bad debt, you know, 15% bad debt, which means that owners can barely pay their lenders and pay the expenses. And so, very few deals like those that I've seen in the market, but for the most part, Prices are still strong, demand is still strong, prices are are still high, cap rates, you know, are still low. Not that much different than prior to COVID. Now, from a passive investor point of view, I think if you're listening to me right now, you're a passive investor, you've probably seen that most of the deals that you've seen since March, since COVID became a thing, is basically, you know, the deals that you see. You see lower returns than before. So before COVID, eight to 9% cash on cash, 15 to 17% IRR was something that you saw in many deals. And now many deals are coming from sponsors and you see 7% cash on cash, 13, maybe 12% to 15%, 14% IRR. Everything has changed and it actually makes a lot of sense because even though the properties have been performing well, some sponsors don't want to take the chance and bet that the new deal that they're going to get is still going to perform as well as their other properties. And that's what we do. So we underwrite conservatively, and that impacts the numbers. And I always show my investors the worst case scenario numbers. And so even though we're getting 30, 39% rent increases. I'm not gonna put those numbers in my underwriting. I'm gonna put zero or one percent, especially during the first year of operation. And that impacts the returns. So what I'm showing investors and what other sponsors are showing investors is lower returns. And I think investors should be fine with it, knowing that there's more risk, you know, these days because the unknown is still unknown. And so you have to put a price tag to the risk, and that translates into lower returns, at least on paper. And so, you know, I think from a passive investor point of view, the trend has been, you know, declining returns, at least on paper, because we're assuming that maybe occupancy is not going to be as high, that debt is going to be, you know, higher. And when you assume that, then obviously you're assuming that your cash flow by the end of days is going to be Lower. So that's it for today. These are the multifamily trends right now, the end of 2020. As I've mentioned, just to sum it up, increase in bad debt, but rents are increasing. Occupancy and prices are still the same. New construction is down and returns, at least on paper, projections are much lower if you're looking at a deal from a conservative sponsor. That's it for today. Be bold, be great, keep pushing forward and I'll see you on the next episode.